Hi, and welcome to the Restore Body Balance podcast. I'm Colleen Burns, licensed psychotherapist and founder of Restore Body Balance, where we combine psychology, biology, and neurology to enact life changes that stick. And I'm Nico Yotanis, co-producer of this podcast, and I'm going to be asking Colleen some questions on today's topic. Today's topic is frozen in time, experiencing a collective transition to change and adaptation during quarantine. We are experiencing a world like never before, and I am wondering if all of you listening are struggling with the loss of connection from our normal routines. Technology is doing its best to compensate for the lack of actual human contact, from Zoom to FaceTime and house party. But at times, it still isn't the same as the normal interactions in society we are all accustomed to. So Colleen, as a psychotherapist, can you help us make sense of it all? Sure, Nico, and you are correct. I believe it's the yearning for human connection and touch that we are all missing right now. It's twofold. We are separated and losing connections with our familiar faces, whether it be at work, restaurants, getting a drink with a friend, or outside in their backyard. And then when we actually do connect, it's six feet away and we are all wearing masks. I know we will be having a podcast on the blue zones. The geographic areas of people inhabiting these blue zones share common lifestyle characteristics that contribute to their longevity. One of the contributors is social connectedness. Right now, we are fearful and staying away from that social connectedness, be it friends and loved ones, not to mention even strangers. This isolation is tough, but we can muster through if we get creative. We will need to find ways to relate in our ever-changing world, from hugs to handshakes. And despite this challenge, I believe we can grow stronger in these tough times. Again, I echo this every week on why mindfulness is so important, from calming the anxious brain to actually saving these precious moments when we do connect. It all goes back to perception and the amygdala. I wish we could have a call in line for our listeners to see how they are perceiving these current climates and then help them find ways to take positive expectation and a cognitive reappraisal for their fears. And don't forget, this is scientifically proven. We say this again and again, but if we see things as a threat or fear-based, we become stressed. And then we need to remember that we have to antidote this stress every day and ideally each moment it happens right a little fear goes a long way and you have taught us wonderful ways to mitigate fear and anxiety with breathing mindfulness and meditation to insulate us from stress but some of us are just wired to be anxious Yes, and those that run anxious are constantly doing the what if, but what if, but what if, constantly going through their heads and searching for information on the internet. And this is where we use the psychology of cognitive behavioral therapy and neurology of the brain to change that. In some ways, like I said, we have an opportunity to change here and change our identities, in fact all the while acknowledging perhaps the loss of our identities at the same time. It's rather complicated, right? 
Some of us are parents, healthcare workers, or administrative assistants, and now we're assuming all of these roles at the same time. So I just want to acknowledge that sometimes I can't even get through my daughter's grade school emails. So I wake up early Monday morning and carve out a time to make her schedule out to have it fit into mine or vice versa. And sometimes I need to let my high school son just simply self-regulate, crossing my fingers all the while that he'll actually wake up and get on that Zoom meeting or a Google Hangout. Like I said, these are tough times. And I know that even sometimes I feel like I'm failing as a mother or as a wife. Mother's Day was very unusual for me this year, but not because of our current climate. I basically ran away from home and I came to my office. I was working on the podcast and the whole time feeling guilty that I should have been home, but really I just needed to find my identity as Colleen and do some self-care. And that's something that I believe with Mother's Day and Father's Day that we should be doing on a daily basis and not stressing out, trying to acknowledge things just for one day. We really need to be enacting these self-care rituals on a daily basis. My father always told me, you weren't born a wife or a mother or a therapist. You were born Colleen. That's so important. And it's interesting you bring up the loss of our identity. I recently saw a fellow YouTube creator, Catherine Manning, break down in tears on her Instagram story because she had to try on her wedding dress and a mask. And she explained the sentimental image she had in her head since she was a child of trying on her wedding dress in a mirror. And then when the moment finally came, she was staring at her image in a mask and she didn't even feel like herself. Wow, that's a great example, Nico. People are certainly connecting over these raw reality moments shared over social media, and we can all relate. These emotions also happen as a combination of burnout or fatigue from experiencing the same thing over and over or the same day over and over. And we need stimulation, especially in our environment that we're sort of cooped up in. My Instagram post this morning was trying to inspire folks to get outside and seek out this pleasure and positive experience. For example, I've said on a few occasions to go find the term Roy G. Biv, which of course are the colors of the spectrum of the rainbow. So I posted something red, orange was a bit hard to find, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And it was actually kind of fun searching through my neighborhood and going for a walk as opposed to doing my usual listen to music or stare at my phone. So again, we see where our brain is drawn towards bad news, but we can antidote that stress by also using a cool thing about the brain, which is it's always seeking a better life. So I say, let's give it one. It does take some effort to seek pleasure, especially these days. But my task, especially this time of year, is getting out, trying to find that Roy G. Bib and colors and flowers, or what we've mentioned before, try to get the five senses engaged. That's a fun challenge to do at home, and especially if you have kids, just to download the end of the day, but also to remember to do it the next. I saw that post. What a great everyday thing that you can turn into a mindfulness exercise. Can you say more about the burnout and fatigue we might experience? 
Yes, burnout is a state of mental exhaustion. And I think we are all emotionally burned out these days. Many researchers liken this to forms of depression. There are also individual burnout factors that are similar to depression. For example, exhaustion and cynicism, where again, we need to have positive expectations, staying off the internet, catching ourselves when we start clicking away to the bad news and simply remembering that we will get through this and finding hope and the good when we feel so sad and lonely this is what's vitally important and again we see the opportunities for supportive interventions what do you think about this concept of the greater good the current climate is demonstrating how we defer culture to culture and here in the u.s state to state even store to store the way people are reacting to and handling this situation varies astronomically. This quite clearly is being played out right now. Some of us yearn for that connection to others and are taking risks, and these risks are potentially endangering our community. And it's more than just a moral compass. For some people, it's truly a need. I ran into a neighbor this morning and we were so excited to see one another and chat while she was on her porch, but we both spoke about people that could be a little bit more introverted and actually don't mind the sheltering in place. Again, if we go back to last week's podcast where we discussed some people like the downtime and the connectedness to family members while others are going stir crazy indoors and the family discord is reaching its limit and little things are actually irritating us that we never noticed before. Definitely. I know even the smallest of things can become an issue, from the dog's treat bag not getting fully sealed shut to leaving something in the cup holder in the car, or even losing your AirPods. I know that there are around five pairs of AirPods that mysteriously just up and go missing around our house, and my brother was getting irritated that he kept his AirPods kept ending up in someone else's room, so he ended up putting a Chiquita banana sticker on his AirPods so no one would mistake it. That's funny. I've heard some doozies this week, like, yes, the spoons are kept in the utensil drawer where they've been for 15 years, or I can't believe how loud he chews. I never notice how grating that is. You know, I noticed this week in my household that someone has a pet peeve when you don't clear out the microwave time. So if you decide to hit, you know, open before the time is run out, apparently this is a big no-no in my household these days. You need to clear the microwave, Nico. So just in case, just in case. Um, And again, it would be wonderful if our listeners, I often think about the TV show Frasier where they had, you know, people call into the therapist and I would love for our listeners to be able to chime in with their experiences and maybe we would all share a laugh and feel connected. This is why we need support and this is why we're sort of grieving this loss of face-to-face contact. Yeah, and we could even do an Instagram Q&A to gather up some questions at Restore Body Balance. Going back to how everyone is dealing with this situation differently, I have a prime example. The other day, the cable guy came to fix the Wi-Fi, and he said, Do you care if I don't wear a mask? As he was proceeding into the house, and I almost lost my mind. I think people are fed up 
which is a valid feeling, but they have to remember that personal protective gear and social distancing also serve a purpose. They sure do, Nico, and keeping ourselves safe is so important for our body, but also for our minds. I too can relate to witnessing people not adhering to the guidelines. I went on a run the other day, and we finally had some nice weather in New England, and I noticed that people weren't moving. I was so excited in the beginning that when I would run towards somebody, they would naturally move or I would naturally move. but. Nobody was moving. And in fact, I almost felt like one runner thought they were running with me because every time I crossed the street, they were crossing the street as well. And, you know, it's amazing how you're sort of, you know, speaking of fight or flight kicks in that you sort of want to tell people to sort of keep their distance. And not to mention the fact that running is one of my favorite mindfulness exercises. And so with all the obstacles I faced, it quickly became stressful. I also think that at times we can feel stuck, like we're in this endless grievance where there's no end in sight. I know some of my friends lost their minds when Coachella got canceled. They kept saying, what do I have to look forward to now? But then again, their reframing of the situation was that they'd have more time to work out before the postponed festival happens. Exactly, Nico. And I love the fact that you use cognitive reappraisal. So, you know, life's big pleasures are not being shared right now or experienced right now. And we are suffering in a sense. We're also losing a sense of control and we are isolated. So for those of us who seek support in other people, friends, dinner, a drink, a movie, or a regular outing, these seem to be distant and fleeting. But, you know, again, we need to catch ourselves and then try to recreate those supports. As I often say, it's about people, places, and things. When I was working in addictions, we would have to help folks find pleasure in new places. Certainly their friends might be at bars, but bars are not conducive to sobriety. Over time though, we were able to change perspective and find pleasure in meaningful activities, rewiring the brain. And it does take a little bit of time. Here we can get creative and seek out that deeper connection, which is why FaceTime and Zoom have become our world. But we are also getting a little fatigued by these mediums. I actually saw an ad when I was posting on Instagram this morning for a cardboard cutout. I don't know if you've ever seen this, Nico, but it's actually, you get a life-size cardboard cutout that you can send to somebody of yourself, uh, either to a friend, family, or colleague. I thought that was hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But most importantly, I recommend staying off the news and our devices, for example, for a certain period of time each day and night and put these real experiences of happiness and hope and seeking pleasure in our minds. You know, staring at screens all day, even with the people we like or we're working with, can make us feel fatigued. I know what you're talking about. I normally spend a lot of time around technology, but one of these past days, I spent way too long without a break on the computer, and it actually felt like the LED screen from my laptop was burned into my retinas almost like when you look at a flash on a camera for too long. We also have to be aware of sitting in our stuff, as you mentioned in our last episode, that when cooped up in the house, we tend to focus on the tiniest of things that weren't evident before, 
Exactly. So how do we get out of our heads? Well, part of it is trying to recreate positive and pleasant experiences. This weekend while running, despite people not social distancing, I also saw balloons and banners that were celebrating graduating classes and upcoming college acceptances. So you saw signs like class of 2020 or upcoming class of 2024 Vanderbilt. You know, again, we need to look at things that we can ritualize. Again, going back to that habituated brain, right? Laughing, listening to music. You know, there's a great study about people singing together and why we like going to things like Coachella and concerts. There's a certain connectedness we feel, especially like we mentioned last week, just singing out loud. You know, music is a very important part of my life. And I didn't realize how much I missed just listening to the radio going going back and forth to work. So again, if we ritualize it and carve out time every day to do it, we're doing that kind of recreation in the brain. It also is a power of choice, right? Because right now we are feeling like we are powerless being stuck indoors. But if we look at it as a choice, it's different. So I often say to my clients, the phrase of being in child ego state, and adult ego state. Nobody wants to be in child ego state, which is you can't have the cookie before dinner, it's time to go to bed. We're sort of powerless and helpless over our circumstances. But when we put ourselves into adult ego state, I am in control and I can self-regulate. So that is a very important part of life from childhood to adulthood where we actually use the term actualizing into adulthood or autonomizing as a human being. There's actually a famous Seinfeld episode, if you're familiar with Seinfeld, where Jerry calls his mom and says, hey mom, I'm eating a cookie and it's five o'clock and I'm spoiling my dinner. It's actually quite funny. Here we are meant to actualize and move into our independence. This goes back to why our nation is so torn right now about opening up our economy. Each person has their reasons, but overall, I think we've done a great job staying at home and again, telling the brain, I'm staying home for the greater good because when you do it for yourself, then you're making a choice. That's so funny, the Seinfeld reference. It, it kind of reminds me when I was on my own making dinner in the, or getting dinner in the dining hall freshman year of school, I would eat ice cream for the first week, like every single night. <laughs> That's great. And going back to our title of the podcast, Frozen in Time, I almost feel like it's an illusion. Some days just blend in with the rest. Yes, Nico, and we are so used to being influenced by the clock. In some ways, this is a powerful tool, right? We can stop and appreciate the moment. And that moment is real. That in fact is in mindfulness and meditation. Think about it. Maybe we were up at six, got the kids off to school at eight, then we had to go to work, and then we tried to fit in that yoga class at 5.30 or that workout class at six, or these folks that train for the Boston Marathon that's now delayed. Our routines, commitments, and schedules are all out of whack. And in fact, we are now burdened with the homeschool, the grocery shopping, and just trying to get our essentials. Not to mention if there was unfortunately a loss of a job, a 
poor health in a family member or even a new health condition. Which is why, again, I encourage people to seek support. And when we get support, like I said in my YouTube video this past week, it's about experiencing a negative experience in a positive environment, right? And that's in some ways what therapy is all about, is that you can recall a painful memory, and when it's held with somebody that's just giving support, it loses its luster a little bit, and that's also building our resilience. We've talked about that many times. We actually asked our listeners last week, what do you want to remember about this time? Because again, we can choose. It seems ridiculous to sort of say that right now, but it is true when I say the brain is always listening. And I've also said the brain has to do what the mind tells it. So what are we telling it? Are we saying I had fun trying to make pizza with my kids or like in my kitchen, the six failed attempts at making pasta and then having to order a burrito each time, but the seventh time was a charm and now my kids can make tagliatelle and farfalle. Awesome. I found myself doing many of vegan chef Max Lamana's zero waste recipes on YouTube and Instagram. His approach is really interesting and the whole process is very rewarding. He uses 100% of the ingredients in his recipes, even the scraps. But let's get back to FaceTime and Zoom, and especially this loss of human connection. In communication theory, we also have to consider the technology sending and receiving the message. I know on Zoom sometimes there's glitches or I can't hear what the other person is saying. It's almost like on the news where someone is live on the scene and they say, right back to you, John Doe, and then that awkward three second delay waiting for the other person to get the message. That's how it can be on these virtual calls at times. That's right, Nico, and guess what? Let's factor in our eyes, facial expressions, our gestures, and basically all of these things that put a tone on our interaction, not to mention our voice, our inflections, and the mirroring of another person's mood. When I was at the Benson Henry Institute at the Mass General Hospital, training for SMART, which is stress management and resiliency training, we had to perform the mind eye test. I believe there were 36 sets of eyes and you had to describe from uh, multiple choice what you thought each set of eyes was thinking or feeling. It's actually a well-known study. And so think about that. You know, we can't pick up on these subtle, you know, references through Zoom, right? Or FaceTime, maybe because it's a little bit bigger, but it's really being in the presence of another person where we can read those visual cues and size up our emotional and psychological and, and not to mention physiological states, whether it's happiness, joy, sadness, frustration, and then in turn, we can hopefully react in a way that feels that it's meeting the person where they're at. Now, technology in some ways has made our current climate more manageable, allowing us to connect digitally and in some ways saving our sanity. But it's also led to some misunderstandings and this loss of connectedness, especially with some coworkers and the ability to mute yourself or heaven forbid, be muted or you hide your camera or they, you know, don't want to be seen or 
don't don't want to see you. This is very powerful to me. I mean, think about, you know, how I used to feel about, you know, text messages back in the day and now it's just part of our culture. But this is really tough. You know, my son's history teacher reached out to me personally last week and asked my permission to contact my son individually. See, she's been doing a few units on Hitler and the Cold War, and she felt the subject needed some special attention and consideration. It's a difficult subject and a period of time. And she said not being able to be there to get a visual read on how students were reacting had her very concerned. So again, we see how important this face-to-face contact is and what this loss is doing to us. And we can also see the work of neuroscience once again, that when we connect with another person, our bodies and brains react too. It's almost like keeping the homeostasis between two people. I know my dog even misses seeing her friends. It's a true desire to connect. I was walking this morning and there was a puppy and the puppy immediately launched to wanting to play with my dog. And I was so excited to see the puppy that we both started walking over when we had to stop. And, you know, I too wanted to socialize with the owners asking, where did you get? Is it a boy? Is it a girl? How old? And, you know, again, we both got excitable, but it's that having to restrain ourselves from things that really come quite naturally to some of us. Nico, do you remember when we discussed mirror neurons? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they tend to do what I just described. We will start to actually act and imitate the gestures, words, language of the people that we spend the most time with. Oh, sort of like picking up on the gestures or phrases of our friend groups or inside jokes or even TV shows like Seinfeld, for example. That's perfect. Exactly. And think about what else we get with face-to-face contact. You know, I think a big one for me and my practice is trust, right? So I know historically I've never had a session via teletherapy or video therapy without first developing a relationship with a person. It's truly hard to be vulnerable online, not to mention gain somebody's trust. You know, they did another study recently, and I think it came out in Psychology Today, where they were talking about a woman who had to travel quite a bit for her job. And she specifically remembers a a meeting with a French bakery owner, and immediately they embraced and they hugged and they did the French, you know, European kiss of the cheek and celebrated, you know, with croissants and coffee and pastries. And then when she got back to the States, The woman was very abrupt and had a very long list of demands and was very critical of the software she had just purchased from this woman. And she said, wow, had I not met her in person, I'm not sure I would have gotten through that, right? So again, face to face, we align with another person, immediately sort of sizing them up, right? Is this person friend or foe? You know, take a situation whereby somebody just might accidentally say something off-putting on a video or a chat. They might have no idea that they've upset us or that we ourselves might have inadvertently said something upsetting to someone else. So I guess it's a skill in a sense. And in fact, it's a sense, right? There's flow in a conversation or a dialogue. It's bi-directional. So you speak, 
and hopefully you get heard and then there's a response and we learn from one another. We start to pick up on nonverbal cues and steer a conversation in a particular direction or even detour if things feel like they're not going down the right path. I know that I was recently educated on where to look when you're on an online video and of course you need to be looking at the camera. I didn't realize all the while I was actually trying to connect with my client, but once I started looking at the camera, I couldn't see the client's reactions. So this is so important for communication, especially for me. So I've found a clever way to split the screen so that in some ways I can talk into the camera and they can see that I'm talking to them, but all the while looking at their reactions. It's really quite complicated and it's our new way of communicating. We definitely are in a new way of communicating. And with technology, you have to put forth the extra effort to make sure your messages get interpreted as intended and not misconstrued. I even think the phrase LOL has in a sense replaced the period at the end of a sentence depending on who you talk to. It's become a qualifier that makes messages more friendly and less threatening. Because depending on the age group and person, using periods in a text is threatening to some. I know when I text, I can add emojis to help communicate what I am feeling. But even then, I have no idea how someone is receiving my text. And eventually, seeing them in person to clarify, but now everything is changing. No more handshakes to greet someone, and I think this new physical distance norm is important to discuss. What are your thoughts on this new norm? Again, I go back to the fact that it's all about connection. We yearn for physical contact touching triggers endorphins and even oxytocin it's how we bond learn to trust there's a famous study whereby a mother doesn't make eye contact with her baby after having a little dialogue back and forth quite frankly it was very difficult for me to watch in graduate school so at first you see the mom and the baby interacting and the mom smiles and the baby smiles and then the mom laughs and then the baby laughs and it's really quite cute but then the mother turns away from the baby and refuses to interact and the baby becomes perplexed but then upset and then frustrated and then scared and starts to cry and of course the mother turns and soothes the baby by smiling back and picking up the child for a hug it's very important and you take something like this right and you take something simple as an icebreaker right i mean i'm sure we've all sat through these very awkward games right maybe the first time you were at summer camp or a new job you know in the end though you got through the icebreaker you learned a little bit about a few people and really maybe connected to get closer to a few more this along with eye contact creates trust or take something as simple as just going to a movie or a meal. Again, it's that shared experience, that connectedness, right? And I know again, my YouTube video last week explained that phrase, when neurons fire together, they wire together. We mentioned last week also about the idea of watching a virtual concert, like we mentioned, or throwing a virtual dinner party. 
I think you mentioned your sister's dance class. I mean, how wonderful for her to stay connected to something that she loves and to the other people in her class. And, you know, we all have to LOL, laugh out loud, really during one of my training sessions. No joke. We had to sit there for almost 40 minutes one time just laughing at the Benson Henry Institute. It was super uncomfortable at first and awkward, but then the more people forced the laugh, the easier it was to truly laugh, speaking of emojis, and it triggers endorphins. That's an awesome exercise, Colleen. Do you have any concluding thoughts on today's episode? Yes, Nico. Firstly, let's just become aware of our emotions, the good and the bad, the pleasant and the unpleasant. And most importantly, again, to echo why we need to antidote the stressors and especially the negative and unpleasant and savor and remember the good. And not only look for it each day, but to remember it each night and then start the day with positive expectation and intention to have a good day and look for the positive. Then we, of course, go to what we just spoke about, which is to laugh each day, whether it's telling a joke, watching a show, or just simply laughing at ourselves. Gentle loving kindness, right? This is our new norm, unfortunately, and we need to work through it. But again, the brain does not like change or the unfamiliar. And now we're doing a bit of both. Things are constantly changing, and yet staying at home is getting familiar. It's ironic, but I believe in the human spirit, and I also applaud the healthcare workers and the first responders, the delivery truck folks, and the grocery store employees, each and every person that is doing their part to keep us all safe and satisfied. And then lastly, of course, gratitude every day and every night that guides us and antidotes stress. And although the way we connect is changing, social media and technology are compensating for the lack of connection as much as possible. We are keeping ourselves safe by adhering to these guidelines, and any overwhelming feelings towards these changes is completely okay. For those of you listening, if you aren't being as productive as usual and are experiencing burnout, it's important to remember that you're doing your best and not beat yourself up. As you always say, Colleen, remember gentle loving kindness to yourself and others. I thought your workout example last week was perfect, that even if you didn't get through a workout completely, the fact that you started and did something is worth remembering. So thank you, Colleen. You have taught us that even if it feels restrictive, the cognitive reappraisal and positive perspective is vitally important to our mental and physical health. And the fact that we can all feel a sense of gratitude for staying in this together. Media and new technologies are resilient, so they will be able to accommodate to these changes and help form new connections. From at-home concerts, to virtual games, to virtual workout classes, We will get through this collectively by adapting to change and building resilience. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Restore Body Balance podcast. For more tips and techniques, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and head over to the YouTube channel. 
or to learn more about the programs or buy the book on change, head over to www.RestoreBodyBalance.com and head over to Instagram to post some questions for a future episode where we will do a Q&A.